Chrome, I don't know what's going on with Chrome. Like, I don't know if it's because I've turned off some of its, you know, self-installed stuff that it puts in place or not, but it, it has been a little strange. How has your experience with that, with Edge been? So I haven't been, so for, for today has been fine. I haven't really been using Microsoft Edge on the Mac. Oh, okay. Windows, however, it's been, been pretty decent. Um, Wait, what? Yeah, I've yeah, <laughs> been using Edge and Windows. Um, so it's it's been good over there. I actually thought about trying to run it from Edge on Windows, but I was like, eh, let's let's uh let's let's not <laughs> let's not try to do too much here. That's that's funny. I I had the same thought. I'm like, huh? I could try. No, no, not right I'll, now. I'll try it at some point because I I think I mentioned to you uh, earlier this week that I may end up removing Edge from the Mac and just use Edge in uh, Windows, but I do need to. I'll figure out if I can set up open in, which I haven't had a chance to check into yet, to open things in Edge uh, in the Windows instance. I think it should work, but right. I haven't tried it to verify for sure. That would be kind of cool. And then in, I'm using NVDA more right this minute. Just playing with it, it seems to be pretty snappy and working well. Um, I'm using the Microsoft One Core voices. I think whatever the default NVDA voices are, I did go change the voice. Um, but to me, NVDA seems like how I'd like voiceover to be on the Mac, where I could just use my arrow keys and not have to worry about. And and maybe I can. I don't. I've had struggles with that but to where i can just you know use up and down arrow keys mm -hmm. i did try what you recommended enabling well what you had offhandedly recommended enabling quick quick nav and using the voq key and that seemed to to give me a similar experience ish i need to figure out quick nav a little more though yeah quick nav does have some abilities uh like you without quick nav on i've i've had hit or miss um lately has been more misses than hits we're trying to navigate the web with just arrow keys yeah um, and that's where i want it because yeah it, and i can get it if i toggle voiceover turn voiceover off turn it back on usually if i toggle voiceover and i'm in safari yeah and that's been the other thing too is in any other browser it's just been completely missed the whole way around so um not sure. Got to play with some settings. As I said, having started from scratch with voiceover and when I updated to Ventura, I uh, went in and reset the voiceover settings to the default. It's been pretty decent. There are a couple of little oddities here that I've noticed. Like sometimes when I'm on a web page, I'll hit, you know, next heading and I'll get like text. And I'm not sure if it's that is not finished drawing the page yet or... Don't get what's there in the heading, though. I have to navigate away and come back. So little oddities like that. Uh, some of that could be verbosity settings that I need to go tweak. But I haven't tweaked a ton of settings other than just like the basics. Like I have to have voiceover operating at this, you know, uh, speech rate, things like that uh, for me to use it. So you're getting text on when you navigate by headings using voiceover, right? Like you'll do heading navigation and it'll say heading. It may or may not say heading. And then it just says text there. It doesn't read anything. Yep. Yeah. So that's not a you or verbosity issue. That's a Michael noticed this since he's been on Ventura, I think, at least since I've been back on the Mac. What I typically do is just reload the page. 
Yeah, it seems to sort itself out after a while, but yeah, I've noticed little this, and it's not even constant. Like, and it could be that's why I said it could be just be the pages because there are a lot more pages than we realize that are extremely dynamic. So you load the page up, and from the perspective of a screen reader user, at least you know all sound indications or whatever you may use, whether it's the summary or anything like that. It tells you that the page is fully loaded. They're still drawing things in with JavaScript uh, into the actual, you know, body of the page, though. And I noticed this most egregiously on the T-Mobile website. When you log into your T-Mobile account uh, and let's say you click a link, you know, to go to my account or something like that, like the page will load. I'll get the little sound that says the page is fully loaded in Safari. Right. But there's nothing there in the center of that page for a while, like a couple of seconds, and then it appears. And it's like, I mean, either tighten up your JavaScript and make it more efficient or just stop doing it the way that you're doing it. Yeah, or or figure out, because we'll talk later on about this, so stay on uh, or stay listening. But we'll talk more about a tool that's doing this fairly nicely, it looks like. Um, so provide more feedback to the screen reader user to let them know, hey, Stuff is still loading. The web page is loaded, but we're still loading our stuff. So. Yeah, we're still drawing stuff in with JavaScript. Like we're still fetching JavaScript from the server to finish drawing out this dynamic section. And a lot of times it's just like somebody did this because they could, not because it was necessary, because there's nothing about a lot of the pages where I see this and experience. And I know that's what's going on where the information is going to change once it's you know, loaded, like you could just do a straight fetch, like, you know, fetch the data as it currently is and then present that data. Like if I click on my account in T-Mobile, like nothing about my account is going to change that, that entire section of the page needs to be dynamically drawn in uh, because you're going to show me my account number. You're going to show me the number of lines. That's not going to change, you know, from you loading that page in a few seconds. It's not like it's a, counter like you're trying to show me like how much data i've used and you're trying to keep that live updated so you're right. constantly rewriting that right that, that's a different scenario you're just giving me a menu of right. choices you're, you're just basically <laughs> showing me a list of what's in my account like here's your account number here's the number of lines yeah. you have here's the plans you're on right and then you click on elements there to go deeper into that right so there's no reason that for that'll it. take time to load but speaking of t-mobile uh hopefully for me well for sure for me here in the next week or so i won't have to deal with their uh crappy javascript dynamic loading of their pages because I have moved away from T-Mobile. I'm in the process of moving away from T-Mobile. Uh, I have joined up with Visible. How's that experience been? It has actually been, despite all my expectations, surprisingly good. Um, good. good. You know, and, I was, and do I, they use JavaScript to load their web page? <laughs> so it's interesting that you asked that, right? Uh, I can't remember where I was the other day. And I was like, geez, you guys need to talk to whoever designed Visible's website because they are like doing that dynamic, uh, like you click a link to to change to a different section. Like, say you click on, you know, billing, right? And you're on the mm -hmm. dashboard overview page or whatever you click on billing. They're not completely reloading the entire page. They're just rendering out the information from what you need, which is a great use. Like, that's a, that's a you know, great little yep. feature, right? You see it on a lot of places. It's so quick that I don't notice it though. So you just click it and you're there. Do, and you're there. Does focus move to the main content? Focus does not move to the... So there, yeah. there's some accessibility stuff they could do to make that a little better, right? So it yeah. doesn't tell me, like, I don't have an ARIA uh, announcement saying, you know, uh, billing loader or anything like that. That would be nice. 
uh, you know, especially for people not used to the way that the web works or not, you know, familiar with that. You would click the link and think nothing happened, basically. Uh, but the information is there. So it would be nice if there was an audio announcement or some sort of sound that indicates, you know, we have loaded this information up now. Uh, and then it would also be nicer if they moved your focus to the beginning of that that main content area once it's loaded. But it happens so quickly that if I go up to the little menu, click billing, by the time I navigate back down, like it's there, like everything is loaded. Is, do they use headings at the beginning of the main content or they regions? do have uh, they do have headings there. There's also a region. Uh, so they're, they're doing some good markup there. Uh, mm-hmm. Just to argue stuff just isn't there to announce to like, hey, this information is actually loaded. Because if you click it, you'll just sit there like, wait, what, what went on? And you'll click it again because it's not reloading the entire page. And that is where ARIA announcements are extremely important for web pages that are doing that kind of dynamic loading of content. And that's the proper way to do it. Uh, you know, they're missing the ARIA here, but their their performance is amazing. Good, good. Or, uh, well, not or. And another thing you can do, especially to help people, is add the word selected when that's the active link. Yep. I've seen that done, and that helps me personally yep. know that at least are, something yeah. has changed, right? So at least this has happened. So now I know that that information should be here. Yep. That's also a very helpful process there. Uh, but service wise, with visible, it has been really good. Um, I did a speed test yesterday. Uh, down was 136 up was like five something. So not okay. super spectacular there, but yeah, it's, it's decent. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. Actually was out at the hospital. I uh, wanted the hospitals here yesterday for Tia to go have a, a, a thing done. And, um, you know, I actually had coverage in, in there and she's still on T-Mobile at the moment cause we haven't ported her number over. Mm-hmm. So, uh, it was a pretty good real world comparison of the coverage, uh, and for because I didn't get to say this. So, Visible is a MVNO mobile mobile virtual network operator, uh, but they're owned and operated by Verizon. So it's not even that they're just sub you know contracting their service through Verizon. Verizon Verizon actually runs that particular MVNO. So, um. One advantage to that, I think, is that because they're operating it, uh, it actually supports the Apple Watch. So if you have a cellular Apple Watch or wearable, they say wearables, you know, of course, I have Apple Watch, so that's uh, <laughs> set up. Uh, but it seems that they would su- support any kind of uh, wearable device. Now, they don't have iPad plans, and I'll get, in, get into a little bit more kind of who I think this is for and who it's not for. But generally for me, so my process was on Wednesday. Let's see. I, I set up my service with visible on Tuesday, uh, Tuesday. So we're recording on a Saturday. Yeah, we're recording on Saturday. The, what is today's date? The 25th, I think. Is it? Yeah. One of the disadvantages to going in and making the change that you discovered with voiceover and, uh, making your VOT tell you the time is it doesn't tell you the The date date anymore. Forget that. But you can get around that by pressing VOF7 in Ventura once, which will tell you the, the time followed by the date. Really? Hold on. I didn't know about that. It's a cycle. So you can do, it's right now it tells me the time followed by the date. 77% not charging. Yep. Not connected? What am I not connected to? Wi-Fi. Wi-Fi, probably. Yep. So, VOF7 is a three-way toggle to give you the time and day, the battery level, and it'll say no battery detected if you're on a Mac Mini or uh, a 
computer without a battery, and then it gives you the Wi-Fi connection status. Oh, that is handy. I did not know about that one. But uh, So I set it up on Tuesday. Um, they're currently right now, as we're recording, and it runs until March 31st. They're offering uh, $5 off for the term of your account. So that means it's not just the first month. It's, as long as you have that line active, you'll get, you know, well, $5 off one of their plans, $10 off the second plan. Uh, and they basically have two plans for you to pick from. Uh, 30 bucks and 45 bucks are the normal prices. So it's 25 and 35 with the current uh, welcome promotion that they're offering. Um, so I set my service up on Tuesday. Um, got a you know temporary number because I did say I was going to port a number in. I started the port process on Wednesday with T-Mobile. And T-Mobile was the lengthiest part of this because <laughs> I went through and did everything I needed to do to get my port out pin from T-Mobile. Uh, just a side note for anyone who is interested in ever porting out of T-Mobile, or, and this may be true with other carriers, but I can speak to it specifically about T-Mobile. If you're in a scenario that I am in where I am not the actual primary account holder in T-Mobile, I'm just an authorized user. So I can pretty much go in and do anything that Latia can do, but the account is actually under her name. In the case of T-Mobile, in order to generate, have the system generate you a port out pin, you can do it all manually, but you have to be logged into the account uh, either on the web or in the mobile app as the primary account holder. Uh, so that was a little bit of a hang up for me first, but I did call T-Mobile to find out like, what do I need to do to get this started? And that's how I found that out. So got my port out pin, went and put the information in, requested from um, Visible, which was just the account number, uh, the port out pin, the phone number, and the billing zip code. And they started the process. They reached out to me within 30 minutes of me starting that process. I had an email and a uh, text message on the uh, temporary number for Visible mm-hmm. that I had that said, you know, we ran into an issue with your port out request. Reach out to, uh, you know, contact us to help resolve this. So... so- Go ahead. So take a step back. How did you get a text message on the temporary pin? This is like the next day. Did you just set up eSIM or did they overnight? Oh, you no. I, so I set up eSIM on my line, uh, okay. on my phone. That's what I thought, but I wanted to make sure that I was understanding. Yeah, I got an interesting you know, thing to share with people about eSIM too. Uh, <laughs> so I set up eSIM on my phone for the temporary number so that when the port process was complete, that SIM was already in place and everything. Uh, and I did that all from within their app, which is fairly accessible. Uh, the one area that their app needs to work on, and I, I need to figure out a way to demonstrate this to them because there's not a lot of places once you're set up where you need to actually enter information. Um, their text entry fields look like standard text entry fields, and you can type into them, but sometimes the characters get mixed-mashed or it doesn't drop a character, and it doesn't accurately report what you've just typed. So let's say I'm typing, you know, an email address, and I type M-E at. I'm not going to hear M-E at as I lift my finger. I'm going to hear, you know, some random text that is that voiceover is reading from somewhere else and that sometimes Uh seems to confuse what gets input or the order that things get input in uh if you're looking at visible copy and paste will definitely be your friend i will say that (laughs) uh that that was the way i just got around the frustration like the little aggravation of it there's not a lot of text entry once you're signed in and set up they do allow you to you know authenticate with face id and stuff once your account is set up in the app uh so got the esim set up 
good catch though because people were like wait how did you get a text message <laughs> <laughs> uh but i did the e-sim thing so i had an e-sim in place uh so i got a text message so i reached out to them now one caveat for anybody thinking about visible is they do not like one of the reasons their prices are so low and that they are consistently low is because they don't have any overhead like they don't have physical stores which a lot of mvnos don't uh mm. But they also don't have a, a, a call center either. Everything is communicated via uh, chat. And you can do chat from without, within inside the app or from their website. And chat's pretty accessible. Uh, there are actual headings uh, in the conversation so that you can navigate. So if you know your focus moves or you leave and then come back or whatever, you can navigate by heading okay. to get through the conversation. Are they using Olark? I don't think so, but I'm not (laughs) sure. I mean, they could be, and it could be a heavily customized version, but more of a Ryzen, probably not. So that's one thing to be aware. Me personally, I don't mind it because I very rarely have called. I very rarely call anybody that provides me service. Like I don't call, you know, my internet provider. I don't call my cell carrier all that often unless I don't have a choice but to call them because I can't do something and they're Mm -hmm. holding me up. Uh, but chat has been very responsive. I've never sat around for like, you know, 10, 15 minutes waiting on a person to connect. Uh, it's usually within a couple of minutes of me going through. They do do the thing that everybody else is doing, too, where when you first open up the chat, you know, you're talking to a bot that's going to try to make recommendations. Type the word, you know, customer service agent, and that'll that'll bypass any of its attempts to try to feed you what it thinks you may need, like, you know, links to support documentation, et cetera, et cetera. It is helpful. Like it's not a terrible bot, but if you know you need to talk to somebody, just type customer service. It'll get you right to an agent, uh, which is cool because I've seen some systems where like you really got to, you got to go through the <laughs> dance with what they think you may want first before they're finally like, oh, okay, well, let me get you over to a person because I can't help with that. It's like, yeah, I tried to tell you that from the beginning. Right. I know what I'm doing. Uh but my port, essentially, I had to call back to T-Mobile uh, and have them lift what they told me was not in place in the first place, which is a port out port out protection is what it's called. Uh, called them before I started the port to make sure it wasn't active. I was like, oh, no, this is not active. OK, well, that turns out to be what the hang up was, is that it was actually active. So got that lifted. My port was done within probably two hours from the time I started. it. And again, some of most of that was going to T-Mobile first verifying that this wasn't, you know, in place or at least having them tell me that it wasn't in place and then starting the port process, communicating with Visible's customer support and then going back to T-Mobile and having to do the dance with this automated system over the phone to get to a customer service person so I could, you know, inquire about this. So it was super fast. So that's done. My number's ported over. Business idea. If you want to make a lot of money, use ChatGPT to route people based on their the frustration in their voice when they're talking to an IVR. <laughs> that would be good, actually. Like, like oh, hold on. put we're, it on the scale. We're, we're about to lose this one. We need to get them right to a supervisor that can do anything they need done. Uh, you know, oh, this person just has a question. We can we can let them wait for the next event. Yeah, that's not actually a bad idea. That's a good business idea. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. So my line is ported over. I did have them overnight uh, Tia Assim. The other thing to know about Visible that I'll get into right now is that each phone line that you're adding has to be tied to its own account. So I have a login and Tia now has a separate login, right, for Visible. 
Hence the reason I called up Michael and I said, <laughs> Mike is great, but uh, it's not going to work for you because you'll have to create an account for everybody that you have a line for on your thing, except for their watches, right? You know, if Mallory's bringing her watch is going to be up under her account, but they just give you watches and phones and that's it. That's all you got. It also doesn't appear to be a way to do a an iPad plan. I haven't inquired about it, but it's not listed on their website. And my only assumption is they would say, well, sure, you can give us 30 bucks a month or currently 25 bucks a month for unlimited talk, text and data. And your <laughs> iPad will just have unlimited data. It's like, yeah, I don't need it that bad. Uh, yeah. U.S. mobile would be my solution for that if I were going so, to do that. So Visible offers, and we'll get off this conversation shortly because we understand that it's not available for everyone, but it's a good alternative, cheaper. I may go set up an account and possibly record that process. Um, you should see if they have a referral program, and if they do, they we might do. put it in the show notes. We'll talk about that maybe shortly. Uh, but Visible offers a discount if multiple people pay together. Nope, they're not correct? doing that anymore. Nope. Ah, they have okay. they have gone away from that plan that you that's that's what I remember too when I first looked at Visible. They used to have that thing, but nope. Because they have simplified down to basically their their basic plan, everything gives you unlimited talk, text, and data, like either plan you pick. Uh and currently their regular pricing is thirty bucks a month for the uh base plan and forty five a month for the uh visible plus. The only difference that I can remember off the top of my head and that's probably going to be relevant to anyone is the plus plan guarantees you fifty gigs of uh high speed data before you're subject to what everybody's implementing, which is, you know, when our network is at capacity, we'll probably slow you down, right? Well, if you're on the plus plan, you're guaranteed fifty gigs before that goes into effect for you. Otherwise, you're just at the mercy of if their network is super busy, they're going to probably slow your connection down a bit, especially if you're a heavy data user. Uh, not something I have to worry about, but that's to be aware of. Uh, they do offer a referral program. They call it the Visible Friends and Family or something like that. But essentially, you either use a link someone shares with you that has their code embedded in it or just enter their code as you're checking out and it gets you $20 off your first month of service and it will give them $20 off their next bill. So works out pretty good. I actually used my referral code when I set up Tia's account. So she got 20 bucks off. So her oh. first month's bill was five bucks. What's your what's your code? Uh, I will drop it into the show notes because I don't <laughs> know it off the top of my head. It, it's actually rather short, but it'll be in the show notes. Um, and it helps uh, a tremendous deal. So if it's something you're interested in, check it out for sure. Uh, your phone does have to be unlocked when you come there, uh, but that's the only requirement. Watches apparently are never locked, so don't have that problem. I did not set my watch up on data, so I'll, I'll be able to talk about kind of what that experience is like. It looks pretty straightforward. Uh, I kind of started the process, but I'm not putting my watch back on cellular data right now. I want to see if I actually need it. Um, I don't think I do, but I will set Tia's up. So that's been a good transition for me. Uh, we're currently kind of in a holding pattern right now with Tia because she's trying to decide if she wants to keep the new number that Visible gave her because it's a cool looking number or if she <laughs> wants to port her number here from T-Mobile. So, <laughs> so I haven't finished that process yet. Did you hear if you buy this book, this sense player thing, you have to check a box that says I understand. This will not immediately work out of the barn. So anybody interested in the new hymns uh, sense player, uh, check out the episode of Double Tap from Friday. Uh, the 24th. Yeah, the 24th of March. Uh, 
second half of the show, Stephen has, uh, I don't remember the guy's name at the moment. Uh, James Fair, I think. But he has a person on who has gotten the sense player and they, they do a pretty interesting, uh, demonstration and, and discussion about it. Um, and yeah, that's, that's one of those things. Like when you buy it right now, there's a checkbox on that. You promise not to yell at us, uh, if bar is not available when you get yours. <laughs> oh, <laughs> why didn't we think about that for uh, a blind show? I mean, people understood. They they got it. It wasn't a big deal. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm intrigued by this device, sir. I am intrigued. I It may be the first blindness-related product I buy directly if... Yeah, it. Yeah, I, it, I am actually intrigued. I'm intrigued from a user standpoint of using it uh, yes. as a device to just kind of care because I've noticed usage pattern changes for me a little bit uh, here recently. Hey, uh, Hems, Hems, if you know, if you want, since you're USB C in your accessories, Demasi and I can test it on the blind shell for you. Yeah, or we can also, you know plug up mixers and test out the recording that's one of the things that's interesting to me too is they're they're setting that up for you to use a high quality microphone to uh yeah plug in so it, it looks very powerful that connect feature with the phone though um that he demonstrated with the iphone like that is i get the sense that that could sell them a lot of players if they handle their marketing correctly uh, mm-hmm. Because unfortunately, in this space, like honestly, you know, despite how I may feel or anybody else may feel, like the Victor Reader stream dominates this this very admittedly very small space for this type of device. But I honestly feel like the the Sense Player is more of a functional device. Like it provides more functionality. And admittedly, it costs a little bit more too. So that's another thing they're going to again handling their marketing and their messaging. See channeling Desiree a little bit here Uh, (laughs) handling their messaging correctly though could negate the fact that I think it starts off at about a hundred hundred maybe even a hundred and fifty dollars more than what the the humanware stream stream reader is Uh, so it's an interesting device I I am very interested I'm kind of feeling like Stephen was in double tap uh, in that episode of like man you're selling me this thing you're gonna make me buy this Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm like you know maybe I'm gonna have to go look at this and, and see because yeah, yeah. I just, I'm intrigued, and we'll see where it goes. I've been playing with NumPad Commander and navigating macOS with my NumPad, and I'm like, this is doable. Like, that, that, that's nice, huh? It's, it's a <laughs> nice thing. It is a very nice thing. Yeah, this is why I keep an, an extended Bluetooth keyboard and why I bought a Bluetooth NumPad for travel uh, because I, I really – my Mac is broken to me in a lot of ways, and it's not because it doesn't work or I can't set keyboard commanders for a lot of the things that I ha- I may have customized on the numpad commander. It's that I don't have those things set up, and it's just awkward. Like, some of the commands are just awkward. Like, like I have F2, F2 feels weird to me with now it's just one button. You can just hit one button <laughs> and bring that up, right? Yeah, exactly. Or trying to get the mouse navigated and get the mouse moved to where voiceover cursor is. Like, I know the command is, what is it? VO shift command v- five, I think. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but See, I just, it's, it's. But I, I just tapped the, the enter key on the numpad and now the mouse is where voiceover is. Huh. Okay. And then I discovered, you've told me this, and 
we both do this. We tell each other stuff, and then when we discover it, it's like magic to us. It's it, like a whole it, new thing. Yeah. Listen, Mike could tell you all about that. Uh, let's see. Let me Ira. run out a quick list. Ira. Uh, parallels on, on, on the Mac. Uh, chat GPT. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, d- I discovered the zero key, pressing and holding that, and how you get a whole nother level of, of command right there with the uh, numpad commander. So fun to play with for sure. Yeah, we should, we should, we should do a show, uh, or we should, we should add to a show one day, just kind of going <laughs> over some of the features that we, or some of the customizations that we've done to like the, the, keyboard commanders and the numpad commander for the Mac. Now, funnily enough, I don't actually use the trackpad commander at all. Uh, but there's a lot of options there as well. Yeah, there is. Um, I told... I was talking to Steven about uh, how you and I kind of have, when we've recently reset up voiceover or reset up a Mac, slowly made changes to voiceover instead of migrating changes and how that to me, has seemed that voiceover is a little bit. It's it's not. It's not. Perfect. It's not NVDA or you know Windows or anything like that. It's not perfect, but it seems better. Yeah, and I, I honestly, because I there's legitimately a, and I told you about this at some point that I had been using this feature, and I set it up as a numpad commander to quickly toggle it on and off. That would toggle, um moving insertion pointers i can't even remember what it was called but i do not see it in ventura like i have not come across it and i've been looking and i do not see that option anymore and it, it, i thought this years a couple of years ago with weirdnesses and updates and like why is voiceover acting so weird and nobody else is apparently experiencing this issue that it is possible that through software updates you know os updates going from one major version mm-hmm. to another that they are actually taking features out of voiceover that get dragged over if you just keep your your configuration and Apple maybe purposely or inadvertently uh, if those keys are still present in the settings for voiceover like they they somehow try to honor those but they're technically not a part of this new version so <laughs> it makes things weird some of the odd behaviors I had when I first tried Monterey nope what am I on Ventura Ventura you keep uh, doing that I keep doing that. I keep doing it. Uh, it's because I'm really surprised that I'm on the latest version of Mac OS this early in the following year that it came out. Uh, it usually be closer to WWDC before I upgrade it. <laughs> uh, but some of the things I encountered that made me go back down to Monterey from Ventura when I first tried it, like I have not encountered those at all. I'm not even having some of the weird audio bugs either. Yeah, I, I'm still getting some weird audio bugs, but I don't notice them anymore. I just switch over to Windows, and weirdly <laughs> enough, that works uh, well. Uh, you want to talk about just that? So I can run Windows. <laughs> <laughs> so we both are running Windows on a regular basis now. I think on the last show, uh, we, we were talking about it, but we're, we both – I ran all week for – well – Wednesday through Friday with AT guys on parallels. And the first thing I noticed was what we were kind of mentioning here a moment ago. When I make a phone call with parallels, all of my audio doesn't quit. Uh, I may be abnormal. Maybe I'm normal. My wife and, and uh, Mallory and her coworkers feel like 
I, I maybe do a little too much, but I always have music going on in the background, you know, voiceovers talking to me. Sometimes I'll be on a VoIP call. And uh, when I'm making a call in Zendesk in Safari or Edge or any browser on the Mac, when you first make that call as it's connecting, you hear everything cut out for a second and then you hold your breath. And if it doesn't come back, then you know that you lost audio. It's like, it's like audio roulette. And so I uh, noticed the first time once I went through that process of making a phone call that, hey, guess what? I didn't lose my audio for a second. And that was a, a pretty pleasant experience. And then it was like coming home, I guess, because for me, uh, or going back to windows i was able to quickly navigate zendesk as expected my keystrokes were the same so it was it was a pleasant experience once i got it installed what have you been thinking though Demasi? because i knew what windows was going to be like but now that i have someone else on windows we can kind of try different things or experiment and see what works and what doesn't so i noticed the same thing about the audio first and foremost which i was like okay this is a this this justifies me going to go push this button to buy now um mm-hmm. Or where I had already done it before I used it. But anyway, this justified the the purchase of this right there because it doesn't cut out audio. And unfortunately, sometimes I will have to, you know, hopefully get it right with item chooser and find the hang up button and just say to the customer, like, I do apologize, but if you can hear me, I cannot hear you. So I'm going to hang up and attempt to call you right back. Right. I have not had to do that since running Zendesk and Windows. Uh, it has been a very pleasant experience. Uh, I have had to catch up a little bit with uh nvda commands that i've forgotten over the years and and trying to use it with the insert and numpad more than using the traditional laptop layout for nvda which is what i used to use but it's been a pleasant experience for me i haven't really encountered any issues switching from mac to windows it's actually so seamless that other than toggling on voiceover when i know i'm in windows for a while like that that's the only adjustment that i've i've made since starting but it's been a very pleasant experience for me uh, and I definitely see one, why so many people liked parallels over VMware. I do know that they <laughs> tend to leapfrog each other, uh, periodically, but one feature that I don't, or I haven't heard anyway from, from users of VMware that has been implemented as well as it seems to be done with parallels is that kind of seamless, uh, I think they call it coherence mode. Yes. I'm not running that at the moment. But just the way that Windows, that parallels Windows 11 uh, VM runs with Mac OS, like I can command tab when I'm in Windows and then I just start pressing Windows commands and everything generally works. I've noticed a couple of gotchas, which like I said, my solution is just toggle off voiceover. Uh, Occasionally, like the insert key won't do the command that it should do Mm. in Windows, like just nothing happens. Or sometimes it will pick up, Mac OS will pick up a command that, that involves a voiceover key or a Windows command. So it, the thing will happen in Windows, but then something else will also happen on the Mac. So uh, I just started talking about voiceover when like I'm in Zendesk and I'm going to be in Zendesk for a minute because I'm going through solving tickets, replying to emails, calling yeah. customers back. And then I you know, have started to slowly more integrate the other aspects of the AT guys work into just doing that in Windows as well because I'm not doing as much jumping back and forth. Now, the instant something isn't working or behaving in 
an expected man- manner or I feel like I'm about to lose some some efficiency, I just, you know, command F5, command tab, Safari, all right, let's go get this yep. part done over here while I'm talking to the customer because it's working. Uh, but this seamless integration is what's been the biggest surprise to me. It's like it just seems so natural. I'm interested how Keyboard Maestro and Parallels can play together. Yeah. Um, so that that could be... That could be something there. So my workflow is I'm using Zendesk like you are. I'm using JAWS and NVDA. I have both of them downloaded. I don't have a preference to one or the other. I just use whichever one works for me. Narrator works well on the Windows 11 side of things. And when I notice focus issues and things aren't working the way I, I expect them to. For the most part, I can hit Windows D and that'll take me to the desktop and then I can use Alt-Tab. I will say, uh, I was surprised Demasi didn't go there, but sometimes uh, if I hit Windows V, actually I think it consistently works now. Hitting Windows V seems to take, or seems to pace, which it should not, and then hitting <laughs> Alt, Left, and Right arrow seems to move me word by word, which again, it should not, but that's how you do things on the Mac. So there's some oddities there, there that there I are. cannot explain. Yeah, there, there are some oddities and and. Behavior. But experiment with treating it like you would treat voiceover. Like try try treating them similarly when something doesn't work the way you expect it to work in Windows. Like my yeah. expectation is control left and right arrow in Windows should navigate me by word. But if that doesn't work, you know, try all uh, command V Op- option. Well, on option Mac, on the Mac yeah. keyboard. Yeah. Uh, you know, for me, command is the Windows key, but also as Mike said, like command V also pace, which doesn't really seem like that should work. But hey. And control V works too. I don't know if you knew that, but I so <laughs> I've had control V not work, but it's only True. not worked when I've had voiceover running too. That's one of those oddities that I've noticed. Like if I have voiceover running, it's not as consistent as it is if voiceover mm-hmm. is off while I'm in windows. So, yeah. uh, that's one oddity. I believe that using, uh, any kind of software, any kind of automation stuff, because LaunchBar works, right? Like I can actually launch stuff in in parallels yeah. from LaunchBar, like in Windows 11 from LaunchBar, which is, you know, rather amazing. Uh, if I want to turn on music, I just hit, I, I turn voiceovers off. So I just hit command space, press and hold K, or I type K, press and hold D, and then that opens VLC at the last level. If I need to adjust it all up and down arrow real quick, and then a command tab, and then Windows D puts me back on the Windows desktop. Yeah, it, it, it has been interesting. And then seeing your Windows files show up, uh, yeah. your Mac files show up on Windows, your Windows. So like I downloaded add-ons for NVDA because I'm using NVDA. I've not installed JAWS primarily because I don't have a license key and I don't want to deal with the demo mode. So I was like, mm-hmm. well, we'll start with NVDA. Uh, that has been working. I am taking advantage of the fact that I am employed part-time by AT guys and using a demo dealer license for, uh, well, not a demo, but a dealer license for uh, the vocalizer add-on uh yeah vocalizer eloquence add-on is what it is for nvda specifically uh and that is available at at guys for 69 dollars since i'm mentioning it uh i am Oops, using those voices uh it, it works v- fairly well it's pretty yeah. snappy um 
I, I did want to get some experience because I had never used them at all. So that, that's probably <laughs> so the reason even I tried. Even though the licensing process was like someone right. calls and asks questions, you're like, um, Mike, <laughs> here's what the document says, but if that's not right, I'm gonna have Michael reach out to you, okay? Because uh, yeah, I have no idea, man. I haven't touched Windows in ten years. What do I know? Uh, but it, it's it's actually been uh, you know, pretty pretty decent. I definitely get your, I kind of wish that, you know, voiceover behaved a little bit more like NVDA. And the interesting thing to me about that, which maybe you you haven't realized not being an NVDA user as long as I have, is NVDA has the ability to kind of do with voiceover. Voiceover picked this up later, but NVDA was doing it first, uh, which is typically with JAWS. JAWS flattens out a web page, right? So you're up and yep. down arrow and every link is on its own line. Even if visually on the page, that's not how it's laid out. You can navigate NVDA the same way or you can use NVDA, which I think used to be its default mode, uh, where it has things lined up as they are on the page. So if you down arrow and there's a menu for lack of a proper term because I'm not a real web developer. I mean, I know some stuff, but you know, not knowing the terminology as well as I should. If there is a menu that goes across the page, so all the links are going across horizontally across the page, uh, NVDA will read those when you press down arrow, you know, home, about, contact us, Mm -hmm. uh, log in, right? Just all on one line and then you can tab or navigate to those links. You know, you can tab to them or you can use word navigation to get to the one that you want to activate and tap enter to activate that link. Um, that is something that I wish voiceover did more of uh, or had a it mode could, for that. Because I've done it with voiceover, but it's not reliable. Yeah, it's, it's because the up and down arrow navigating is yeah. not reliable, though. Uh, so that, yeah. that that would be cool. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll definitely be talking more about Windows on running Windows on the Mac and things that we're experimenting with from uh, the side of autom- you know, imp- implementing some of the automation tools. I do love the fact that though, and you mentioned this to me before when you first tried it, that uh, you can use Hazel on Windows because <laughs> your files from Windows are showing up on the Mac, right? They're right there. Uh, oh, that's how I got there. Downloaded some add-ons for NVDA and they're in my Mac downloads folder, which is a little weird the first time I saw it. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> oh, yeah, because I downloaded this, the add-on before I installed it. Okay. I was like, why is this file over here? What in the world is going on? Yeah, yeah. It it, it can break the brain and don't get me started with keyboard because keyboard is... <laughs> yeah, no, um, yeah. Yeah. Anyways, so good, good. I, I'm I'm envisioning myself at some point getting to the point where I log into a Windows computer on the Mac and my Mac just does all the automation tasks for me and helps me. It's like my assistant. That's weird to think about. All righty. Microsoft Edge has actually been pretty decent right now too, just, just as a follow-on to the initial question you asked me about it because the first time I've used it, it like had it open and been in it this long, but it's, it's, it's fairly decent. I think this may become my alternative browser from uh, Safari and ditch Chrome. How about that? Yeah. Google. I don't even have Chrome on the Mac. I don't think that's what started me down the path. When you said that to me last week sometime, like I don't have Chrome running at all. I mean, you don't have Chrome installed at all. And I was like, Mike's always been the, the, like not the first app, but probably in the first 10 or 15 apps that you install, Chrome would be one of those apps. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, and like, nope, I don't have Chrome installed at all. What? Oh, I better go take a look at this Microsoft. That's kind of what spurs me to go look at stuff is either you keep mentioning it to me or you say something like that, where it's like, 
oh, you have completely changed your entire behavior in favor of doing this thing. I should go look at this. Yep, yep, similar, because both of us will mention things offhandedly, and we're not the only one to do that. Uh, and we, we, you know, tell people and we help people with a little bit of things. And if we keep going back to things, then that's when the other one realizes, huh, maybe I, maybe I really should go look at that. Kind of like this tool that you told me about that I've never had a need for because I've always had a mute button. And then our friend of the show, Marty and co-host on unmute, um, may have been playing with some new equipment that doesn't have a mute button. And he started asking me for ideas that he had. And one of the people he was talking to suggested, oh, just turn your gain all the way down. Well, as Marty said, that's not going to work because how is he going to be able to get his gain back to where it was? Because he doesn't have the unmute or he doesn't have the auto gain feature that's available on the vocaster. So uh, I remembered that you told me about a tool that would allow you to mute system-wide on the Mac. So what tool was that and how does it work that tool is called shush uh s-h-u-s-h and uh the mac app store is really really (laughs) really one of my least favorite things right now about being a mac user because number one as a voiceover user i do not know if anybody has any ideas please share them uh we'll drop our contact info and all of that at the end of the show but reach out like geez you can call me like (laughs) know how to solve this problem I can search for something. First of all, searching for Shush did not bring it up. Uh, Michael found it on the web. We will put a link in the show notes. Uh, Click that link and it'll take you directly to the app uh, in the app store because it's not showing up in search results either, which is another frustrating thing. But even if you were to have found it in search results, you only really can just click on it and buy it or download it. Because <laughs> right? you don't know how do you open it? How do you <laughs> open up the app so that you can see the description and all of that stuff? I, I I've tried all of the things I know how to try. At any rate, ran over about that. Shush is an app that I picked up a long time ago. Uh, because what it does is it gives you a hotkey, and it's a customizable hotkey. I believe by default it uses FN. Um, but it gives you a customizable uh, shortcut key. I used to set mine to F1 because I never just used the F1 key for anything Uh, uh, on the Mac, and that works if you're using your F keys as normal function keys and not as media control keys or whatever. Uh, But it lets you just press the button. You can configure it a little bit to a point of saying, okay, do you want your mic always muted or always unmuted? And then, you know, the the button press will toggle it. Now, here's the thing. You have to press and hold it. So let's say if I have my, the way mine was normally set, was mic is always open, so it's not muted. Mm-hmm. I press F1, that mutes it. But that's like holding down a physical mute button. Like you got to keep your finger on it. If you let it go, you're not It's not muted. a toggle. No, it's not a toggle. Thank you. That's a good way of saying that. When it's pressed, it's muted. If you're holding it, it's muted. If you let go, you're unmuted again. Or vice versa. Or vice versa. If you flip it it the other way, then, yeah, you have a push to talk thing. Then, where when you're pushing it, you're able to talk. And when you're not pushing it, you're unmuted. And I use that a lot when I would be sitting in to facilitate recordings, especially for John Panarese when he was doing his, um, his ACSP course. Like I would have it, I would toggle it then so that, you know, I was basically having to push to talk so I could jump in and say, hey, wait a minute, John, can you repeat that? Because, you know, you were breaking up very bad and nobody knew what you said. Ooh, that is nice. I might even get this app just for that feature because then i don't have to reach over to although there may be other ways to accomplish it but this is this seems like it that's all it does so it's super simple to configure 
Yep. It does have the ability for you to double press whatever your activation key is to toggle the push to talk or push to mute functionality. So uh, if you have it normally set to push to mute and you want to quickly toggle to do what I just said, to have a push to talk feature, you can do that. Now, here's the thing. At least when I was using it, um, and I stopped using it when I got the Soundcraft uh, because it had mute on it. But uh, this is going to mute all microphones. Like at least when I was using it, there was not an ability to go in and say, hey, I only want you to address this specific audio input device. It's going to address any audio inputs on your on your machine, which if you did what I did and used to do and route voiceover through loopback, when you mute, you're muting all of your virtual devices too, which means, hey, you don't have voiceover anymore either. Now, if you're just pressing it to mute so you can cough while in a Zoom meeting, no big deal. Unless Zoom is coming through a virtual device too, then well, you just lost that audio. So be aware of that. For Marty's situation that he was inquiring about, though, I think it'll be perfect for him uh, because he he's, he's not using loopback. And for anybody not using loopback, like you don't have to worry about it. It's not going to mute your output. So if your output for any application is going through your normal, you know, either speakers or headphones or whatever, there's no no concerns about it. It's only when you're using virtual devices to route audio is going to also mute those virtual devices when you mute with shush. Uh, so just be aware of that. Otherwise, it would just input mute your input microphone so you can very quickly mute if you need to cough or set up push to talk. If you're in a Zoom meeting where you're not constantly talking, press and hold the button, have your say, have your say and then, you know, mute. That way you don't have background noise. Uh, people cutting their grass <laughs> or whatever going on in your uh, audio. But Shush is a pretty cool app and market. I think you said it was $4.99 now in the yeah. app store. Okay, yeah, it's so. $4.99. And Demasi, I have uh, breaking news. I don't have a breaking news alert. We got to oh. get we gotta get one of those. Uh, 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 Hold on. I don't want to use breaking news. I've got to figure it out. But if you VO right arrow past the price you hear um, – details collection and then if you interact with details collection you have things like uh preview description uh yeah. reviews yeah and then no, if you that, interact that's there description but, so what i'm saying though is when you search for so if this would have came up in search results for ah. you, how do you get this screen that you're looking at right now with the share button and all of that stuff to actually show gotcha gotcha that i i see See how much I don't use the app store. This <laughs> is it just, why, though. It's, it's clunky. It's, this it's is why. Horrible. Like this, yeah. th- you used to be able to VO space on an app, and like they say, you search for something or whatever, you VO space on it, then it would open up like the full detail view. So you would have the share button, the buy, this detail section where you can view the description, basically what you see inside of the Apple App Store, yeah. the, the, the iOS App Store, right? Well. Right. Since I want to say at least Monterey, if it wasn't Big Sur, it has behaved like it does now where you can search for something and you find it in the search results. Well, guess what you're going to be able to do? If you've previously bought it, you can just hit down, hit VO space and it's going to start downloading. If you need to get or pay for it, though, VO space is going to bring up, you know, that flow for you to get the app or to approve the purchase. How do I get to the details, Apple? Can somebody please tell me? And I've tried VO command. Uh, space to bring up the actions menu I get options to copy the link so I guess the long way around would be copy the link and then <laughs> open that link again so you can get into the app store but do I want to do that if I'm searching for no. something and I'm not sure what it is no 
Can you get description with masks or have you tried that? Yeah. Uh, I have not looked at what the uh, current commands are for masks. Cause but most you, users shouldn't have to do that, but that could yeah. be a solution for... Yeah, it could be a solution for me, but that's not an acceptable solution for people no. who don't even open terminal. Like uh, that's not acceptable, and it's 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 horrendous. Come on, Apple. Gotta I know do you're not better, man. To this, but uh, gotta do better. Hey, speaking- I'm gonna do all of my shows as though Apple is listening, and if they're okay. not, well, you know, hey, someone uh, might be listening. That- someone might be listening, or someone may be listening that can share, as you said. So, you know, I will do the show as though they're listening, right? Because, I mean, can I be bothered to go submit a feedback to accessibility at Apple.com? No, because I won't get a response about it. So I'll never know if they got it, if they understood it, if they're going to do anything about it or not. Hey, I sound like a developer now. <laughs> Speaking of not knowing if people are going to do things about it, we typically don't write emails to developers, but we figured we do have the show that we can share our findings on. And Demosi and I have been playing with a cool tool on WordPress that I'd like to to share what I found so far, get his initial thoughts, and then unless he has anything else, I think we'll probably wrap it up because we're running a little long today, which is fine because we don't have to meet. Uh, 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 we don't have a hard limit, yeah. Stephen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Bet you wish you had a show like that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Mister F. I wish I had a show like that. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have been playing with the tool, Demasi. Tell us how you got introduced to WordPress CRM, or that's not what it's called, Jetpack no, CRM. Jetpack CRM. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> And shout out to Jetpack CRM. Yeah, shout out to Jetpack CRM and Automatic, who, uh, you know, funds the company. Uh, So I really got to take this back to, what are we in now, 2023? So I'm going to say probably (laughs) uh, 2021. Right. Um, It's the first time I heard about this, too. I didn't look at it. It was the first time I heard about it. But giving credit where credit is due, Taylor Arndt mentioned this randomly just kind of in passing and we didn't really get into a deep discussion about it on discord Mm -hmm. um so i looked at it uh it came up again to me somewhere i think i was looking at me and you have been talking about crms and when i was taking the bits class for salesforce i think ah that might have been around the time it was Uh, but we were talking about looking at crms and were there any options for wordpress and things like that so i started doing some researching and jetpack crm of course came up with their website and search results (laughs) but they also came up uh, on a few other sites where people were mentioning it so started taking a look at it it is free to start free to use forever but they do have paid extensions which is their you know, as uh, Bart Bouchat's made famous by um, the No Silicast always says, follow the money. Well, we know how they plan to make money. You can use the plugin free as long as you want to, just like WooCommerce. But there are paid extensions that they offer. Um, so I started looking at it and poking at it. And the one thing that kind of held me back from it for a while is there are a few things that I would want to do that it either does not provide or is like, it's going to cost me 200 bucks a year to make it work. And I wasn't ready to make that commitment when I first started my business, because one, I was like, well, I don't need a CRM. I can build it myself. Guess what? I don't have time to build a CRM myself. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I had casually mentioned it to Mike, but also with with a whole bunch of asterisks and caveats, which is probably why Michael is just now looking at it (laughs) because we came back to it recently and you're like, huh, I'm going to go check this out. And you started reading up on it and 
because we were talking about a CRM for your business for Payhome Media. Right. And um, you started looking at it. So you have to just today, like prior to us starting to record. Went like we put back an hour so I could look at it prior. I have not done much more looking at it, but yeah. Yeah. So what are your first impressions of, of setting it up? One, did, did, did the setup, you know, go well for you uh, on this test site? And what are your initial thoughts kind of about the, the layout, the accessibility, et cetera? Yeah, it was our hope to look at this a little earlier in the week, but for a project we're working on, uh, we were like, hey, let's just install this on one of the multi-user WordPress sites. And then we had an issue with the setup of, you would go through the setup and I'll tell you where it is, where it happened. Um, Demasi experiences himself too. And then it would just go back to the beginning, but you were able to, well, I should say I was able to, because I was making notes to uh, talk about. So I was able to tab through all of this, uh, the sections of the setup after enabling it. When I went to the second tab though, it said selected radio button two of three, but it's also the same section as the um, accessible drop down that's available in the general settings that asks how you want your menu to see to appear. So uh-huh. maybe changing those radio buttons to that similar place or that similar style might make it a better experience for setup. And then um, apparently I chose the streamline streamline layout and helps if I read the second line of my notes and then I'll be like, oh, well, that's where I was going with that because I'm trying to read and talk at the same time. So the on and off buttons for the quotes to me did not appear to be labeled. I don't know if that's a voiceover issue um, or if they just weren't real buttons. You've seen this in WordPress Mm -hmm. where you'll see toggles and stuff and things don't work properly mm-hmm. uh, when when i got to the finish and go to your crm link on wordpress mu and again it could be something we did incorrectly when installing it it would take me back to the startup of the jetpack crm um i my initial findings with the actual interface though was i did find myself using the skip to main content link more because that is a not a heading now it might be a region or uh something else that i can look into to see if it's a way to navigate by to it but by default i tried to navigate by headings and was not able to so i started getting frustrated and then went and tried the skip to main content and that actually seems to be working with this um i did create you as a client did you get an email by chance or not i don't think you did and mm-hmm. and this may be a bad example though because you did have already have a user role on the site too yeah i probably did not but let me check because i haven't looked since you okay uh, while you're checking, I clicked on the company's link and went in to add a new company. That would be kind of cool if they could set it up so you had keystrokes and you could just type A and get to the add button or make that something easily navigatable because uh, I did um, I did find a way to kind of hack that together fairly quickly, um, but it, it is something that I think would help a lot on the company's page. And I found this on a lot of pages after the table, there were two buttons. The second one does say 
uh, the, or does appear to edit filters. I'm not sure what the first one is, but when I press the second one, it pops open something that's not there. The, the heading says edit filter. So maybe renaming that would be uh, a good way to make that more usable. Then I'd be able to easily uh, do that. And then, um, so what I ended up doing, and I just have a little bit more feedback here, is I set uh, VO0 as a hotspot. I need to learn more about hotspots and stuff like that because I think I can set them per website and not have to reset them every time. But I set VO0 to add new, and that appears to take me to the add new button on companies and on clients and on quotes. So on any inside there, that, so whenever I go there right now i just have vo zero and then that is pretty much the same as me just looking over and clicking on that and then uh it does not work on the save so if you're saving a new quote and saving a new client those don't seem to work um it would be uh, pretty convenient if i could just hit command s and save and that updates like it does in the gutenberg editor mm -hmm. that will be cool so that's my initial findings i haven't sent any quotes or anything like that but I did go poke around a little bit, and it looks like – that's the thing about WordPress. For the most part, unless developers really don't care or, it, you know, I don't know because I'm thinking uh, e I'm thinking of Elementor. But <clears throat> <laughs> for the most part, things are pretty accessible in WordPress, and I think that's why I wanted to look into this because right now I'm fighting with a couple of different tools just to send out invoices or quotes, and there's no need for that when I'm in WordPress anyways. And – I told Demasi this months ago, my ideal day would be to start on a WordPress dashboard and go do what I need to do in my business. And I think this could definitely help with facilitating and making that possible. Something like GPT-4 might be interesting to see how we could build our own add-ons to it as well to give additional functionality and integrate with third-party services. It does have Zapier uh, integration though, so. Yeah. So generally, just broadly speaking, your your experience is good. A couple of yeah. little gotchas here and there that, that we should, you know, mention to support and try to get them to work on improving accessibility. But it's a tool that you would be willing to invest in, I would say. Yes. Yes. It is a tool that we will talk about investing into for sure. Right. Good deal. Yeah. So looking having, having so if you need a crm reach out to it oh. <laughs> yeah i mean we're we're, we're actively working on this so yeah. uh, no, this, yeah. did, did, we will have more announcements about what michael just said in the future <laughs> for sure i think so i want to ask you this question is this is mostly self-validation for me but i think it's good to to put it out here publicly uh for people because i think it's a good activity for people to um do sometimes so having read you know probably some of their marketing material looked at the capabilities with some of their extensions and also played around with it just a bit do you kind of get my hesitancy to just be like yep this is the thing let's run away with it not uh -huh. because of any accessibility things but like am i just getting caught up in the hype uh-huh yeah okay Yep, but then when you actually install it and you set it up, you're like, huh, this is surprisingly something. Now, uh, oh, I did set up a quote. I forgot. That is what I did. And and I set it up thinking I was sending a quote to someone, but it looked like I was sending a quote from someone. So I do need to learn some documentation, and I do need to go in and learn. But from what I have seen so far, it's it's if you're comfortable in WordPress, you'll definitely be comfortable using this. So I take my money. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah, buy. almost, almost. Like, it, especially if I can get these quotes and invoices to work, and it's all done in one place. You know, I'll be, I'll be, I'll, yeah, definitely. I believe that I have just in my mind, and we'll talk about it off air. And if it works, we'll absolutely, you know, bring it back to the show to tell people what we've done. Uh, but I think I have found a solution to the how do I send invoices to people and have them pay them in Stripe uh, without resorting to me having to install uh, WooCommerce as a solution for that. Because <laughs> that still seems overkill for me, me, you know, some people yeah. may make sense. Yeah. For me, though, I don't sell anything but, you know, time, right? Yeah. It's a pretty ethereal business. I mean, I can't even get paying for for people uh, through uh, or, or a firm uh, through Stripe for people <laughs> to, to pay some of these uh, exorbitant invoices off over a period of time because, uh, yeah, all I sell is services. But there I think are I some tools out solution. there for that. You should you should look into that because I, I awesome. probably should, but they should but, integrate with Stripe too. Like it yeah. should be right there as a checkout option. Like that's the yeah. But is that a Stripe issue and you have to connect it or I don't know because like Stripe looked. hasn't invested into that venture. Uh, yeah, or that person hasn't come over to Stripe and like, hey, yeah. so we could do this too. I mean, really think about it. But a lot of people sell software through Stripe. I I mm-hmm. see more and more, and and the funny thing is, I can remember years ago. Here's a segment. So Stephen recently started a segment. Hashtag EBB. Uh, no, EB, <laughs> EBB. Yeah. Hashtag yeah. EBB. Embarrassing blind, embarrassing blind blunders. blunders. Right. So I'm going to start one here because I, I started it last week and just to follow up on it. Uh, but I want to start one, you know, things I irrationally said that I had to walk back <laughs> on. Uh, I don't I'll come up with a better name for it later. But so let's start with parallels. I did not find the audio because really this week has gotten a little crazy and I wasn't able to get everything done uh, to try to locate it. I did start listening back to old episodes, have not found where I actually said I will never buy parallels, but I'm pretty sure I said it. Well, I bought it and I'm using it and it's cool. There's still accessibility problems with their interface, getting it set up and in, 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 in some of the areas of configuration can be a little challenging, uh, but it does work and I'm using it as you've heard us talk about. So walk that back because I said it. I know I've said it. But another thing that I need to uh, also walk back is years ago, and I don't know if I ever said this on a show or not, but I have said this to a lot of people. The best integration is one of the reasons I started using Stripe initially is because you could set up things like Gravity Forms. There are different ways to do it with other plugins or hand coding it yourself, where when people checked out to pay on your website, regardless of what what they were paying you for, they stayed on your website. They were not bounced out to a site where then they had to log in or find you know, a confusing link that kept moving around arbitrarily by PayPal. Yep, I'm calling them out. Uh, for I don't have a PayPal account, I just want to pay with a debit card situation. No, people stayed on your site, which was a great experience because it's like, hey, I'm providing this service, but I'm also not giving myself the liability of storing mm-hmm. your card because it's going straight to Stripe, never touches my server. Loved it. Always told people, do that thing. Well, now, everybody, including me, uh, <laughs> Click on a button to pay for something through my site. Like you are going to go out to checkout.stripe.com slash a bunch of gibberish uh, and make your payment there on Stripe's checkout page and then get sent back to the website or wherever they redirect redirect you to after your purchase. And I started doing this because honestly, it's sort of the future. It was the future at the time when I started implementing it for a few people. Uh, 
where Stripe wanted you to go. The other thing I noticed, though, and the reason that I, I fully embraced it is because there are a lot of big companies that are doing the exact same thing. And they have the money, they have the staff, they have the engineering to build the site that they're running. They could easily integrate Stripe. And some of them actually have had Stripe integrated more, you know, on their site with just a little checkout frame or the Apple Pay buttons or whatever. And they're resorting to using the checkout. Uh, by Stripe because it's easier to integrate, it's less trouble, and people are now familiar with seeing those types of pages. So it just makes the experience and the trustworthiness of your checkout seem just a little bit more, you know, normal. It's like, oh, this small business is using checkout with Stripe, uh, but, you know, so is Parallels. So <laughs> it's like, okay. Uh, so walking that back, but that's, that's one of those things I stated at the time. It wasn't a catastrophic, like I'll never bounce people off a of site. Uh, but just want to walk that back and say, Hey, I think the Stripe checkout thing is cool. If you really want to brand it, a tip, if you don't know it, if you're using Stripe, you can pay Stripe 10 bucks a month, uh, and have your own custom domain on their checkout page. Oh, really? Yep. Uh-oh. So you could have like, you know, mine will uh-huh. probably at some point be, uh, once I loosen my budget up a little bit more in the business, will probably be payments.bedrockinnovations.com. Just so you still see yeah. my domain, but you're looking at Stripe's interface oh. and everything is being handled through Stripe. Oh, building that customer trust, man. Like you, you're you're seeing things that look normal, but you also know for sure this is me that you're paying because you see my domain there. So that that'll be a feature I will implement at some point in the future. Uh, and big shout out to Stripe for implementing. They did this a while back. Uh, but implementing the custom domain from for your emails that come from Stripe. So people see an email, you know, invoices.pay at bedrockinnovations.com. You know, what they they pick what goes in front of the at sign, but the end of it is bedrockinnovations.com. So you know it came from me. Yeah. That's awesome. Michael uh, Michaels does that too if he sends you an invoice from Stripe because I said it is up to. But uh, I, I've I never it. even paid attention to it. Just like I never paid attention to the invoice numbers, but Demasi changed his invoice numbers to match a pattern, so they increment and they all look the same now. Yep. So all of yours are P something. I don't remember what I did now. Uh, P O M for Pay All Media. I think. Did you know if you go to product new, it'll take you straight to the products page on Stripe. Oh, no, but I did something else like that with Stripe, and I can't remember what it was, and it took me to, uh, wait a minute, was it payments.new? Probably invoice.new, for people who don't know, will take you to a new invoice, so you can send that out to a client. Um, I think Stripe is is it's trying to dominate the .new domain. Uh, and a tip for anybody also, since we're sharing tips about Stripe, uh... Nope, okay. Oh, yeah, payments.new does take you to Stripe. Okay, cool. So, two different things in Stripe. Well, it's a couple different things, but you have (laughs) invoices. uh, But there's also a link when you click on uh, billing that says payments. Going to a payment is the best way if you just have an arbitrary amount because you don't have a product for this thing and you don't really need to create a product. You just need someone to pay an invoice because they owe you, you know, 375 bucks. And it's a one-off thing. Like, it's just a one-off situation. Go to payments and you can put in their customer info or to pull from your customers if you already have that person there. But you can just type in the number of what the amount is that they're going to pay you and then send that invoice to them. Can you process a card if they already send you the... You like, can. Like, if, if they send you a PO already, with the card? 
if their card is already stored on file, you can do that. And I think, although Stripe is getting away from this, I have to follow up on it a little bit because I haven't done a lot of research because I don't typically manually import and input people's cards. But there used to be, at least, you could manually input the payment method. And I think they're still allowing you to do that as well. I just think they changed the rates on that a little bit. So you'll pay a little bit more of a percentage off top if you're manually punching in a card. Oh, uh, but there you go. So payments. And if you go to payments.new, it'll take you right there. <laughs> Which is kind of cool. So, uh, and then Stripe does have a thing called Link, I think, right, Demasi? Yeah, they do have a thing called Link that will allow you to store your card information. I believe, uh, Mike, you looked into this a little bit more than I did. It ties it to your phone number, right? Yep. Uh, yep. So uh, that will but allow you. But it's towards the bottom. Like, you know, it, it's not in your face. You have to do this to pay this invoice. Right, right. It, it's, it's an option, right? And users or, or the owners, the, the Stripe account owners or whatever, yeah. can, you know, not have that as a payment method. It's like, you know, you can or you can choose or choose not to have, you know, uh, contactless payment features like Apple Pay or Google Pay or whatever available, right? So I have all of those turned on. Uh, but Link is a way that if you notice, as I have been noticing how many people are actually using Stripe for their checkout process, just to store your information online, if you if you typically would enter your card number. Now for me, I just do the Apple Pay because, you know, it makes yeah. life great. And I don't have to remember card numbers or go do any weird copy and pasting. But if you normally would enter your card number or if you're encountering a lot of places that aren't using Apple Pay for some reason or you just don't have that, like, you know, use Link. Uh, it is provided and managed by Stripe. Your data is secure. All of those things that they're known for, they wouldn't get into it if it wasn't secure because they really can't afford to have their reputation as a financial institution damaged because that's basically all they do. <laughs> uh, and they've also, for store owners or for people using Stripe, they have also implemented Square Cash payments, which uh, I did a test of. I think I paid myself $5 or something uh, using my Square app. This is a little bit more involved, uh, but... Essentially, you activate it from your Stripe account. You activate the functionality. And, and I don't think I had to really jump through any steps to get it to work. I uh, just turn it on. Uh, have it as a, you know, accepted payment method. When someone's checking out, paying an invoice or purchasing a product, they'll see pay with Square. They click that button, opening up their Square Cash app. And this is the thing why I say it's a little bit more involved because I'm not sure how it would work on mobile. I did it from the desktop. So uh, uh, I took my phone, opened up Square cash uh hit scan code and it scanned the qr code and then it showed me that i was going to pay this amount of money did i agree and i agreed and it sent the payment hmm. Hmm. i wonder and we may have to explore that if something could be implemented for in-person payments so that could be a thing especially if you set up a like if it's a product sort of situation, especially I can see that being fairly efficient because you could always set up like a, a, a quick URL or something like that. I, I don't, I'll do some more research because we, yeah. we should investigate it before I say, Hey, yeah, do it. Uh, cause the Q, if the QR code is the same mm -hmm. every time, which I could see it being that way for a product for sure, I, that, that would make sense for that QR code to be the exact same thing. Like just save the QR code, people scan it with square cash and pay you. Yeah. You're out of here, man. And then put a Q in Braille next to the QR code on the box. And then you could almost, almost go to not, not quite contact lists checkout, but someone scans their uh, box. Oh, you have one on that the table. would be cool. 
and then they check out with their cash app and you get the payment you're like all right go ahead or or uh, i'll have to play with this on mobile from uh <laughs> actually trying to see what it does if i pick pay with square cash on mobile because yeah. you can set up a qr code that will take them to your product link page for them to pay Ooh. for it and then they can choose whichever payment method they want they can choose apple pay google pay if that's you know if they're on android or link if they have link connected or square cash or whatever they want to use uh, but go. that putting it on the box, like, man, that is an excellent idea. Mm-hmm. There we go. Mm-hmm. Anyone who uses that idea, uh, send me an email and I'll send you an invoice with invoice.new. So before we wrap it up, I wrote an email like Demasi talks about all the time in in the mail application. And I use Markdown to give it headings and hyphens to make it so uh, I had bulleted lists, which is great, by the way. I'm going to still start my emails in drafts because putting hyphen once means that when I hit enter, it'll add it. And I kept forgetting to add it there. But thank you to the real <laughs> display. So I had to throw that in there. Uh, and then I went up to the service menu after I selected my text. And then I said, convert this Markdown to rich text. And then it gave me an error telling me that I didn't have something installed and I needed to press this button so that I could go to the web page to install it. And I thought I installed everything you told me to, Demasi, with Homebrew. You did. And the problem here is, is that um, Brett Terfster, who makes those Markdown service tools that, that we use, one of which is the convert Markdown or multi-Markdown to rich text, uh, that's that that workflow because that's what it basically is up under the hood in Apple is a workflow, not not workflow shortcuts used to be. It's workflow automator workflow. Uh, that is looking for multi. Yeah, no, that wasn't confusing now at all. Now I know all. why they changed the name. Uh huh. Yeah, because that wasn't confusing at all, was it? So the workflow itself, the automator action, for lack of a to just be more clear about it, the automator workflow that's being run up under the hood there is looking for multi-markdown in a specific location on your machine. It is looking in slash USR slash local slash bin, B-I-N, slash multi-markdown uh, specifically mm-hmm. is what it's looking for. That's not there, though, because you installed it with Homebrew. And on Apple Silicon, uh, to my knowledge, is, is when this started. Uh, it could be OS specific, but my memory really is telling me that on Apple Silicon is where this where where this begins, and the only time this happens. Homebrew now installs things into Slap Opt Opt slash Homebrew slash some other stuff. I don't remember because I didn't look that deep at it. Uh, but it's it's not using the same old path that we that we're used to, and that everything would be in when we were on Intel Max. Gotcha. So here's a workaround, though. And I will put these commands and as well as a link to Brett Terpster's uh, blog post. And it's probably why he doesn't actually realize that this is probably broken because either people have figured it out or something. Uh, or they're just reinstalling multi-markdown again because they forgot to install it with Brew. That's also a possibility. Uh, but he's doing this. And I, I have subsequently started doing this too because it just makes life easier. So the first thing you're going to want to do uh, essentially what you're going to do, the, the end result of this is you're going to make a SIM link for the folder that Homebrew is currently using. Uh, you're going to make the slash USR slash local slash bin a SIM link that points to the folder where Homebrew is installing stuff. 
So that means if something is looking in that that slash local slash bin folder, it'll find it because it will be mm-hmm. pointed, re, you know, redirected on a low level to the actual location. Before you do this, read the Brett Terpster article that will be in the show notes. So that way I don't have to go through all of the steps and keep randomly spitting out, you know, terminal commands and paths <laughs> that people are not going to remember. Read the post though, because if you currently have, especially if you've upgraded and have not wiped your machine at all in years, uh, you have stuff in that slash bin directory. You're going to want to move it. Uh, you also have the option to go in the other direction. I don't know if he mentions this, but you could make the sim link be the homebrew folder and have that link back into the regular bin folder. You can do it either way. But read the article. It'll give you, you know, step by step how to do it, making sure that you move any current binaries to uh, the new location before you do it. Uh, but that resolves the problem. Now, for those not using Homebrew that want to use these multi markdown services, they can be downloaded. Uh, and we'll put them in the show notes uh, as well. A link to those to download them and just installed. Uh, you can. The cool thing about downloading the actual uh, zip file from Brett's site is you can install the ones that you actually want to use, whereas Homebrew mm. gives you all of them. Everyone. <laughs> uh, and then you can also go to multimarkdown.com uh, and we'll, I'll link to the direct uh, page to download that. It runs a package installer and it will install it where it probably normally would be expected to be, which is the slash USR slash local slash bin folder. So that will resolve those issues if you're not a homebrew user. But uh, the video that we're also going to link that I did showing me um, converting Markdown in an email and just a regular email body into rich text and then sending it to Michael and then Michael reading that email on the other end and being like, hey, this is how it showed up to me. Uh, we'll link to that video. If you like that trick, you don't have to go use Homebrew if you don't want to. You can just go download the things that you need and install them normally. So that'll be in the show notes. I will round this out with a, we'll follow up on it next week for sure. <laughs> Is that the official name of the segment? Uh, yeah, that's going to be the, the official name of this segment for right now until somebody comes up with something better. Uh, which you can send suggestions to tw at your own pay dot com or get to either of us by going to demasi at your own pay dot com to get to me on Mastodon or Michael at your own pay dot com. Uh, it's Michael dot demasi dot. Yeah, what did I say? Michael at, at. Then, ah yeah. See. That doesn't work. Demasi.yourownpay.com or michael.yourownpay.com will take you to us on Mastodon. I'm not sure. I don't think Michael's been on Twitter. I have not been on Twitter because I don't have an app to use. You, so, you know. I downloaded Twitter to my phone. I refuse. <laughs> and that is not going to be a Demasi walk that back at some point in the future nope. because you know what I'll do I'll just go use the website first if I have to use it for some reason but the thing that we're going to follow up on next week and share with you for sure it will be in the show notes if it does exist so I encourage you to go to yourownpay.com slash TW and check out the show notes because everything we've talked about will be linked there and if this action still exists in drafts it will also be there but there was an action that I had and I may still have it installed that you could type your markdown in drafts and run this action and it would send an email converting the first line of the draft to the subject Mm -hmm. and the rest of the draft to the body but doing the markdown to rtf conversion on the fly before it got your email and send it Ooh, there you go see and then huh okay 
So look for those of you who don't look at show notes, you'll find out if it actually exists next week. If you do look at show notes and you see a link to it in the show notes, then you know that it exists and that you should definitely get it if you are a draft user, because this is going to change Michael's life and probably start <laughs> me back to writing emails and drafts, too, uh, if it still exists. So, huh. And if it doesn't, we will follow up with ways to do that with Keyboard Maestro, because that is doable with Keyboard Maestro. So. It is. And I'll, I'll share some other tips. There's some other ways to work around it as well, because I've done it in different places where, you know, you can write your multi markdown wherever you want to copy it. And if you're using LaunchBar, at least you can send it to the service through LaunchBar mm. and then have it pop back out on your clipboard and just go paste it. Well, look, I just I, I guess I just gave you the tip, but. <laughs> <laughs> But Don't know what we're talking about. Find us on the web somewhere. Sometimes Double Tap, other times other places. Yeah, and check out Double Tap anyway because they're they're doing great stuff. It really is a tech show, I promise you. But uh, it's a very raw, real tech show. Like you know, because tech is in deeply ingrained in all our lives. And what I appreciate about that show is that it's not just for advanced people. It's not just for starter people. It's for everybody because they touch on everything. So check out Double Tap at uh, doubletaponair.com and uh, on the AMI, AMI.ca. And we promise, like they keep promising that they're a tech show honest, that people will start observing some changes in the show. We've gotten a little bit of feedback saying, what's the difference what's in the this? What's the difference in this and, show and that show? Yeah you, yeah. you basically took a break and came back and started doing the same show with a and new And changed title. the name. <laughs> That's what people think. I'm probably yep. sure it's not going to stay like that, though. But we had to start somewhere, so we started where we were comfortable at, so we could start moving. Listen in we next week. Going to. Because if we, yeah, we waited to get all of the things in place that we wanted. We would still be waiting on that show, so we had to do it because we had been talking about it. So we were listen. This is why the show was actually titled "Technically Working" because this whole entire thing is us working through the process of different things. We're talking about a CRM today. You may not hear about it for another month. But it'll come back around once we got it in place and we're like, hey, here's what we did. Same with our site redesign for pay on for your own pay.com. That is coming. It has started. The process is in place. Don't have anything for you to go check out yet. We're not, not ready for you to do that yet. Mm-hmm. But we have started that process, too. We're technically working here. We appreciate you listening. Listen in next week. There was something I had for out and I forgot what it was now. <laughs> probably to tell them to listen in next week to find out about crm and how our experience nope. is but then you just said that nope, it, it wasn't that okay. it wasn't that it was, it was something uh anyway we are technically working we hope that you are technically working too and we shall see you next week <laughs>